finds Draymond Green. Green to the basket, kicks it out of Godala. Thompson for three. Bang! Play Thompson from downtown. It's a six-point lead. Timeout Rockets. A stunned Toyota Center crowd has watched a seven-point fourth-quarter lead. Yo, 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 guys, what is up? And welcome back to another episode of the Game 6 Clay Podcast. It's your boy Gotham, my boys Chuck and Matt. Brothers, how we doing? Welcome back. Road trip complete. Oof. It was, um, yeah, no, awful poetic that I get to uh, get to fly in last night, make my homecoming as soon as the Warriors make theirs. Uh, there you go. Holiday season come back after some time, some, some rough, rough time on the road again. Brutal times, man. You know, I wanna. I didn't. I didn't have a very good uh, journey getting back here, but I think the Warriors definitely had a worse trip than I did. Rough, rough plane ride back, Matt. How we doing, man? I know this road trip couldn't have been good for you, dude. No, uh, you know, I was gonna say no complaints, but I actually have like at least four complaints. Uh, a lot, at least four. Yeah, there are some complaints. Uh, no, I mean it's been tough, man. Steph going down, and then. Losing by a combined three thousand over the course of three games is not uh not ideal, dude. So here we are to break it down, and I'm I'm uh I'm having a rough one. Okay. Here we here we are to break it down, indeed. And you guys kind of summed that up, man. Steph went down, and then everything kind of just went south from that road trip. But um, the last time we spoke, the Warriors were was a one and one on that trip. Um, obviously Steph went down going into a rough stretch of Philly, Toronto, and then the two New York teams, the Knicks and the Nets, um, to close it out. Um, and they went one and one and five on the road trip collectively, picking up a win in Toronto. But um, just a lot of again, just not enough healthy bodies. You got the young guys playing a lot of minutes down the stretch in there in the last two games. And um, you know, I felt like for me personally watching the game, I think that the uh, the Indy loss, the Philly loss, were and the Toronto game were really good, like bright spots for the team. Um, I think that in spite of the losses, they didn't finish the job in Philly or. Um, no, what was the other one? Indiana. And Indiana, correct. Uh, but, you know, they showed like they could they could compete and they got the job done in Toronto. So going into that Knicks game was a little tough to, you know, see that performance. And obviously the, the Brooklyn one was a wash from the start. But uh, just want to get you guys' takes just on this on this last road trip, uh, the losses, the win. Um, the Warriors are going into an eight-game homestand now, sitting three games under five hundred, cozy in, the, in that 11th spot. Um, just what are your thoughts on just that trip and where we're at right now? Yeah, so the thing that I think sort of bothered me, especially coming off the last two games, is uh, you know we've we've beaten the horse to death about the young guys being put in a position to fail. Really, um, we all know how that goes. But you know, so many people have been saying, "Oh, well, the kids don't want to compete. They don't want to do this. They they don't have any fight. Whatever." Uh, that game in Philly, it happened. Like we saw. Jordan Poole playing really well. We saw Dante DiVincenzo stepping it up, playing really well also. We saw Kevon Looney like overstepping his role and nearly dropping a goddamn triple-double on them. Like they got contributions, you know, they were able to get uh like Ty Jerome was able to give them some stuff. Jonathan Kaminga gave them some stuff. They played cohesive team defense, had one of their best defensive performances as a team in quite some time, like excluding that Boston game it was really like their best defensive performance of the month um in my opinion and they did it without Andrew Wiggins so you know they've done they've done some really encouraging stuff and you know obviously getting your teeth kicked in by like 70 points combined against both the New York teams sucks but people need to also remember like who these teams are and where they are in the season like both New York and Brooklyn are scorching hot right now. Like these are two teams that have been playing very good basketball. I think Brooklyn was like 18 and seven since Jacquemont took over and the Knicks have put together a pretty solid winning streak. Uh, I want to check just to be sure, but yeah, coming into that game against Eight Golden games. State, they had seven in a row coming into that game and they're playing against a team that doesn't have their two best players. Like, yeah, what'd you what, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> um, so yeah, it sucks to be, you know, three games below 500 at the end of the road trip. One in five sucks, but like you lost your MVP candidate. You know, it there aren't many teams that 
no team that leans on Steph Curry the way that the Warriors have for the last decade succeeds after their best player goes down. Like that's just not how it works. So I completely understand the frustration, but the difference between like getting beat by like 40 and, you know, maybe scratching a couple games around once in a while is really not that big when you've lost your star player. So I, I think people are reading a little too much into these last couple results. Yeah. It's just tough. Like these last, the Philly game was like the best case scenario for how a game can go without Steph in a lot of ways. Right. And that's when you're down Wigan does it is you're down um, Steph obviously. And then listen, when you are playing the Knicks and the Nets, like you said, Chuck, who are as hot as they are, you're down four of your best seven guys, basically four of your best eight guys. And that's what they were. I mean, Michael Green is unfortunately one of their best eight or nine guys, right? He's out. DiVincenzo, I probably had his best stretch of four or five games, right? He's out. Wiggins, like you said, probably the Warriors' second best player. He's out. Steph, out. Um, If you, Gotham, not a shot at you at all, man. But if you went into those games really thinking in your heart of hearts the Warriors were supposed to win, you know, you're going to be disappointed, right? And Gotham, you don't seem disappointed in me, man, so I don't feel too bad about it. Not at all. But, uh, you know, it's just not, they're not going to win those games and, you know, half the rotations out of the, out of the, out of the game, right? Not playing. So just to, um, and just to add a little more to that, Brooklyn has won 10 of their last 11 and the only loss is to Boston. So again, <laughs> what the hell are you going to do? Yeah. And like Brooklyn's looking great. Brooklyn's looking yeah. great. New York's looking great. You lost some good teams. Uh, the problem with this in my mind though, is, and again, it's not, it's not a problem with being surprised by a loss. I'm not surprised by the losses. I was, I was rooting for the Nets to score 200 yesterday. It was my goal. I was just hoping to see it happen. I'd never seen it before. No one has. Come on, give me 200 points. Um, but listen, most of the teams in the league are closer to being the Knicks right now than they are the Pistons or the Hornets. And so my thought is just even when, you know, even Tenzo gets back, Wiggins gets back, eventually Steph gets back, there just aren't a lot of easy wins to go around right now. And uh, that's going to be a big, a big plot line going forward in the season. Obviously, right now it's just the roster is what it is, the injuries are what they are, the sickness is what it is. But um, those that Nick game, Nick came to me especially was just like, oh shit, this is how every game almost is going to be a bloodbath because the league is twenty teams deep right now. Uh, so it just kind of it gives me a heads up what kind of the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I mean, I t- I totally agree with that, and I think that. This road trip, and like, just obviously went one and five. But uh, like you said, Chuck, uh, earlier, like, you're not going to win without your best player, especially with how much the Warriors depend on Steph. And what you're looking for in these wins and losses are, can you find a replicable, replicable formula to, you know, give yourself a chance? Like you said, Matt, like, you're going to get play against teams like the Knicks, um, the Hornets, the Pistons. I mean, they, they beat the Warriors uh, earlier in the season. So it's like, it's not like any of these next, you know, whatever, eight game home stretch. It's not, but it's not a shoe in that you're going to win just because you're at home. But, you know, you're getting Wiggins back. Um, you know, hopefully Dante and Jermichael Green are back as well. So you get, you know, a team with Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Draymond, Loon, um, Wiggins, uh, JP, uh, DiVincenzo and Jermichael Green. Like you have at least some vets that, you know, you've seen a little bit, um, that Philly game. Uh, like you said, Chuck, I think they competed, uh, they competed great on the defensive end. I think that Toronto game was great as well, just to see that against, against a struggling Toronto team as well, um, in their own right. But, um, a good young team that was playing at home, um, looking to, you know, right the ship and the Warriors were able to take that and, uh, come out of there with Doug, uh, for the only win in the, in the road trip. But, it looked like, you know, a home stretch, a home stand obviously needed. You know, I think they get their teeth kicked in by Memphis, but after that, like you have some winnable games in that stretch. Um, and I know we're going to get into it, um, you know, later in this episode, but, um, it just seemed like, you know, you, they missed some chances to maybe capitalize on some wins in, in Philly and, um, in Indy. But even so, like, like you guys said, the, the Knicks game, I think was the most disappointing just because you're coming off the Raptors win. Um, but you didn't have DiVincenzo, you didn't have Jermichael Green. Again, a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, onus on the youth, uh, that, you know, they're still going through the struggling pains, man. Like the, it's, it's something that we knew coming into the season. I don't think we'd think it was this bad, uh, you know, in terms of how far along maybe Wiseman was in his development, uh, Moody being in the rotation, but, you know, Kuminga fig- just figuring stuff out as, as, as an NBA player, um, and, and has been doing pretty well. Um, and, you know, when there's a lot more vets around him. So, you know, you, you, you concede those games as losses. So I think, yeah, people are reading a lot into it, but I think a lot of it is because, you know, you're seeing what, what could be with this youth movement now. And, 
what the the deadline's coming up like you it's it's going to be it's judgment day soon like you're going to have to make a pivot about what you want to do with this team um and these young guys cuz if you really do want to win a championship um and go all in you know you might have to start reconsidering where you're at with some of these these projects that you've invested um you know a couple seasons in now so um Man, i think I, that that's the biggest um issue for the warriors going in cuz realistically they're only 3 games under 500 uh, at the 11th seed where they're 3 games behind the 4th seed i think so like let's let's remember the big picture it's an 82 game season we're getting Steph back at some point, you know, in January. So you really just got to survive this eight game home. So you got 20 days, 22 days at home and some winnable games to get you, you know, back at that 500 level when Steph gets around. So yeah, did it suck to go one and five? Absolutely. Is there time to panic? No. And is it cause like, you know, is there anything going that you, they played well, like you, you saw spurts, you're at home now. So can you put it together? I, I think that they got a few wins in them. So, um, Sucks to be three games under 500, but I think it's because of the larger issue. I think it's because you're starting to see the the the, the Kuminga kind of you know growing a new piece. Wiseman, you know it is what it is. PBJ, Moody, um, and Bronze, you know still you haven't seen too much, but you're seeing guys kind of what they can do. Um, but you know now you got to really reassess that two timeline plan, and maybe it's it falls on the front office, man. This for me is it's that's on them to to really to really figure this out. So did you guys yeah. see anything that you loved? So Chuck, you had a really good thread. I want to shout out real quick. It was on Kaminga. I don't know. I only saw the two posts on it, um, but it's been a rough week, obviously. But did you guys see anything you like a lot? I mean, Kaminga for me is just something that I'm overall just enjoying. Um, Chuck, you had that, again, back to your thread. I think you said he was he got to the rim eight or nine times against Brooklyn. Uh, couldn't finish, right? Couldn't finish anything. But the fact that he's getting there is kind of the big thing, right? He's going to the rack and that's something that just the ability to get there on his own. We know he can draw fouls. We know he can finish, especially with his left hand, which at this point in his career is just huge. Um, that's one bright takeaway for me. Cause I think that's a weapon. That's a skill they need right now. Just anybody can get to the basket. And I think that will kind of open up a lot more once Steph is back, once Dante is back. Um, before we go on to just um, finger pointing, which I'm all for right now, I'm good for, I'm good for a good blame game when we have the chance. Anything that you saw in the last two weeks, week uh that leaves you with uh some optimism i think kuminga has definitely been a major factor to that i think you you know like you said he's made a lot of strides and even if you don't see the results there i think the thing that i circle back to with kuminga so often is how quickly he learns i mean the guy was he gets just it. he was just he not it. an offensive player last year you know like he was dropping everything he was kicking all his drives off his knees, like couldn't decide when to hit a shot or when to drive. Um, Now he's making those decisions. He's keeping his dribble together and he's actually getting to the rim. So to me, like with him, you know, you can look at that in a vacuum and say, well, ah, you know, plenty of guys can get to the rim and, you know, make an average amount of shots, which is what Kaminga is doing right now. But how many of those guys could literally do none of those things last year? Like, that's the point I'm trying to make is how quickly he's developed this skill. And, you know, Jordan Poole may not be a very popular guy right now, but he made one of the most ridiculous year-over-year developmental leaps I've ever seen. He went from being maybe the worst player in the league his rookie season to, like, a legitimate second, third scoring option on a championship team two years later. So... When you look back at where Kaminga was a year ago and you try to look ahead to where he could be a year from now, that's the kind of thing that really gets me excited about him offensively because we know he can bring the defense. He's been a little better as like a help side guy. So I'm definitely feeling really encouraged about that. Um, another guy to shout out to, man, PBJ. Like he was, he was letting that thing, he was letting it sing last night. You know, he's, He's looking like an ice cold shooter, looking more like his high school days where he was just, you could just get everything. Like he gets every shot. <laughs> it's impossible to contest him. Uh, he, six nine, like, you know, like six ten, six nine ish. Um, it's crazy. I mean, either way, you know, the dude's got such a wingspan. Like you can't contest his shots. Like every shot is more or less uncontested unless it's Kevin Durant, you know, trying to match him up. Like, Jaron Jackson, Very Michael Porter Jr. esque kind of guy, like, yeah, that's tough because you know MPJ is such a like ridiculous outlier of a like movement shooter. Um, 
Um, mm-hmm. like he's probably the best on the move shooter, not named Steph Curry in the league right now. Um, and granted, you know, that's quite the gap between one and two, but, uh, <laughs> I, I like PB, like PBJ is showing some things where he, he, everything falls down from the shot, obviously. And if he's taking this really high rate of attempts and he's hitting close to 40% of them, he's at 42 right now, obviously a pretty small sample, but he's looked good in the G league too, shooting it. So it all falls down from there, but he's shown some decent stuff attacking closeouts. He's shown he can keep the ball moving, but also leverage his shooting into like getting downhill, getting some chances, making plays for others. So he just is starting to look like a really capable role guy, uh, hopefully next year. And he's got some things to work on defensively, but he definitely offers like some, you know, I, I like to call it like event defensive playmaking where you don't like, you don't do a lot of things consistently play to play that are really good you have that knack for like getting your hand in the passing lane or like making a really good rotation and like creating those huge defensive plays that help to outweigh like the little mistakes you make on the other possessions. So that's, that's, I think that's been my takeaway too, you know, is if he, if he ends up being a guy that they have to ship out at the deadline because they're looking for upgrades sucks. But if he doesn't and you know, he, he's able to stick around. Like I'm, I'm really excited for what he's able to bring to the table going forward. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I've always felt like PBJ just as the way, just the shooter, the just shooting ability he has, like, I feel like he could fit in like right now, just, you know, five minutes, quick offense. Um, you know, if he gets high, he gets hot. But uh, one guy I do want to shout out is Dante uh, DiVincenzo. I feel like those three games that he, that he was there on, on this trip, uh, you know, since uh, Philly or whatever, um, the guys just looked like exactly what you need. Just another backup guard that can uh, play, make and step up in the starting lineup. I think with lineup of Jordan Poole, uh, Draymond and DiVincenzo, it just felt like the ball was moving a lot more. Dante just knows how to play. Um, the guy just makes the right passes, shoots. He knows when to shoot, knows when to drive, create, um, so I feel like he, him being out too, is just uh, you lost another just stabilized, uh, you know, ball handler, playmaker, and so you, you see Ty Jerome playing a lot more um, in these last two games. So um, I think uh, you know getting Dante back is going to do wonders for this team, especially Jordan Poole. I feel like those two play really well off of each other uh, in that second unit. So um, you know, give 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 Dante his props because he's really he's really stepped up when when the team needed him, even if they didn't win. So, yeah, just uh, just throwing some numbers behind what you're saying real quick. Those. Four games on the road trip before he went out. Uh, 13 points, six and a half boards, four assists, steal and a half, hitting 48% from deep. That people, right people say you people talk about missing more. GP2. Like that's the kind of production that you want from you know a GP2 guy kind of guy that you want to replace. And Dante was a cheaper option. So um the guy's yeah, and all, exactly all, do, all due respect to GP2, but like, yeah. they had to spend so long finding ways to work him into the offense. GP two is not capable of stretches where yeah, he's taking he seven play three a game like and making yeah. almost half of them. Like yeah. he can't do that, and that's fine. But yeah, did he brought this stuff to the table? But Dante also brings another just level to his offense that you know is is needed right now, and especially with Wiggins out, I felt like he was he was great in that second unit playing next to Jordan and Draymond. So I'm um, excited to see him come back. Um, hopefully, he's back for that Christmas game and. Um, Michael Green too, man. I mean, you know, he hasn't been playing well for like the larger part of the year, but he had some good stretches and, you know, again, just kind of giving you that you could play him as a backup five on any given night. And, you know, he might, he might help out. He might not, but you know, he had a couple of good games in there as well. He might grab a contested rebound here and there. Like he has in the last couple, I days. A couple of threes. He stroked a three or two uh, the last week. I, I'm going to step out here and see what happens, but uh, I've been enjoying Steve Nash Jr. tied to Rome last uh, last week. As far as you know, what you're getting from a from a two way player, I can see what this is the he's the best version of the Steve Kerr point guard we've had in the last five years. I think I uh, put out a little. It's very little fundamentally strong sound. I have him above Cockamaker. I have him above Quinn Cook. I've got him above uh, Chioza. I've got him above. Uh, I'll give Cheese some respect, man. Cheese is pretty nice. No, I'm, yeah, I'm we, taking tied Rome every time, man. We respect uh, Cheese over here. Uh, speak for yourself, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm big, <laughs> you know, tied to Rome. You know, he carries himself like he thinks he's Steve Nash, man. It makes me laugh every game. Dude, this guy, this guy has more confidence than any, uh, than I think any of those, uh, Steve Kerr guards have had so far. But just getting, you know, getting from your fourth guard, basically fifth guard in tied to Rome, getting some solid minutes here and there where 
you know, jokes aside, he's not going to do anything exceptional, but he actually, he makes some really good passes and he kind of switches the floor pretty easily too. And I really like, he, he knows what he's doing out there. I think he might land himself on a, uh, on an actual roster in the next year or so. Cause he's not, he's a backup guard in the NBA, I think. And mm-hmm. to have him where they have him has actually been really helpful. He's, he's gotten his guys organized and he's finding the teammates, which, you know, they don't want anything else from a guy in that position. So shout out to Ty Jerome. Um, before he's you sitting, you're pointing. Go ahead, Chuck. He's got a, uh, just keeping up with our hot stack guys. 10, 10, three and five, uh, shooting 52, 63, 86 over the last one. Yeah, I mean, look, he looks good, man. Like he's doing exactly what you need from him right now with so many guys out, like seeing a couple shots, he's making the right play. Um, good, good for him. especially as a two way guy. Like he's, he's showing what it's teams that, you know, he could be a very serviceable NBA point guard. Um, so good for Ty, but, uh, Matt, you want to get some finger pointing going? We can always can. I'm always up for some finger pointing. Uh, listen, I, I love that. What, you guys are watching this, this season potentially again, in my mind, uh, crumble. In your mind, something better is happening, and I appreciate that. That's why I'm glad I have you two in my life. Um, but what's going on? Is it just health right now? Obviously, we were talking earlier. They're not going to win games when three or four of their best seven guys are out. But this team was 500 before Steph went out. They are uh, obviously struggling in a way that does not suggest um, a title is on the way right now. But again, there are some things to be said. So what do you guys think? Is it just bad health? Did the front office fail this offseason? In my mind, that's where I look first and foremost. I think the front office uh, has not been at their best. I think Bob Bob deserves some um, some heckling here and there from from Dub Nation. What do you guys think? Can I uh, can I give the most boring answer ever that no one oh, yeah, would ever Jeff. accept in a rational yeah. Twitter discussion that we see all the time? <clears throat> um, it's probably a little bit of everything. Uh, shockingly, it's not just Bob Myers' fault. It's not just Steve Kerr's fault. It's not the center who plays 12 minutes a night. Everyone's got a part in this. Like, with all due respect, literally everyone not named Steph Curry has played a role in this to some degree. Andrew, and Andrew no, Wiggins. Steph, Steph's his getting hurt. It's, it's, it's all on Yeah, him. no, that's Come right. On, he shouldn't, he shouldn't have, uh, he, he shouldn't have tried to dig that ball out. Um, also, Kevon Looney is infallible. I'm sorry yeah. I implied that he would ever yeah. do anything wrong. Um, no, but I think I think if you really want to get into it and you want to like rank who's started this situation, you have to look at the front office and management. And I kind of loop that together because it seems like there are definitely some things that they are not on the same page on. And instead of working that out say, behind say the, the scenes, things, Chuck. Say the things. The seven foot thing. <sighs> I mean, we all know, like, you know, what's the point? Like, they they disagreed on the Wiseman pick. The Wiseman pick hurts them now. And, you know, it is what it is. But <clears throat> Wiseman's almost the perfect example because he was put in a position that I don't think is good for him. Like, he's not a system fit. They don't have the infrastructure necessary to help him succeed. They don't have the patience necessary to help him succeed. It doesn't help that they have a nasty, rabid fan base who wants to just shit on the kid around every corner. Um, but they've also had a bunch of bad luck. Like the guys just missed a bunch of time with injury. Like he's never been able to get on this team the right way. Like it's so cruel that the only time they actually had a team in the last three years capable of somewhat supporting him, he missed the entire season. And then by the time he comes back, they're like, Sorry, you know, kid. there's 10 games left. Like, we can't really just drop you in here. We got to, you know, we got to worry about the rest of the season. So I think that really sort of sums up how how these things have gone for the Warriors, because, yes, they've made bad decisions to put themselves in a rough position. Like, there's no denying that that has happened. But there's been some bad luck. There's been some things kind of out of their control. Uh, there's been issues with, you know, like the personnel that are on the court with coaching staff and front office kind of fighting over things, you know, like I think we've seen, we've seen pretty clearly that, you know, Steve Kerr is not afraid to use his rotations to send a message to the front office and be like, these are the guys I have to work with right now. We just got our ass kicked by 30. What are you going to do about it? And it sucks that that's kind of how these issues have to get resolved is in this very drawn out way because they've made mistakes, but you know, at the same time, like they've just had 
bad luck. Like, you know, what are you going to do because Clay Thompson comes back and he's not fully himself and things have changed? Like, what are you going to do to stop Draymond Green from punching Jordan Poole in the face? Like, what? (laughs) There's so many things here that are just happening all the time. Like, the underrated thing we don't talk about. Like, so many teams coming off championships disappoint the next year because they're tired. This is an especially old team that won that title. Now they're trying to bring all these young guys into it. Like, yeah, things are going to go wrong. So that's kind of my lame, boring argument is pretty much everyone deserves a little bit of blame and probably some more than others, but you can't just make it black and white. There's no one thing you can point out and say, if we don't do this, everything is okay. Or if this doesn't happen, everything is okay. Because like there are so many there are so many dumb arguments I see like the people who say oh you can't build a championship roster with James Wiseman on it what happened last year like did that just did that just not happen i mean <laughs> there's so many things that are out of your control and yes on paper it doesn't make any sense that that team basically just you know lit 10 million dollars on fire for reasons out of their control last year and still won a championship but like to say it can't happen is stupid when it literally just happened. So people just need to like keep their minds open to the possibilities with this team. And yeah, things are pretty dire right now, but don't go looking for some quick, easy fix. Cause you're not going to find it. And that that's kind of where I'm at. Like it's, you can ask like, you know, who to blame. It's, it is what it is. Like there's no one right answer. I, I kind of agree with you, Chuck. I feel like at this point it's like, who is it on to fix this? And like, that's where you can really, you know, point a finger at, and I'm with you, man. I think it's it starts with the front office and management. Um, they they came in Joe Lacob for everything that he's done for this team, four championships, rebuilt them into the di- or the, you know the, the the you know the guy who owns the team that just became the dynasty of this era. Um, just won a championship last year, and James Wiseman is his like brainchild. That was his pick. I get it, like, but you gotta at some point. I feel like it's it's on Lacob to see that you know. You 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 whiffed, but like, what's the goal for your 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 team? Is it for you to be right on this pick and like, you know, this guy's going to become the next David Robinson, or is it to win fucking championships? Um, and I think that's where um, it starts with Lakeup and it goes down. Like, so then you got to get in um, there. But I think for this team, they're at this they're at crossroads of this two timelines plan, and you really got to at least you know adjust it. If you're not, I'm not asking you to get off it. I think Kuminga. Um, I think Kuminga's got a lot of talent. Um, you know, Moody's shown some stuff. Wiseman's also, you know, to his credit, has shown that he's developed a little bit. Um, so I'm not saying teams aren't going to be asking. You got you got a solid like just group of young players that teams are going to, you know, say I can, you know, I can I can win with this guy in three three years, whatever it is. But you're not doing the kid a service by keeping him on the team and you know having to get like Chuck said, just a shit just drag um, for every bad play that he has. Um, but he's not going to help you win right now. So I feel like you have to, at the end of the day, you, you, you got the two timeline plan because of the first timeline and you owe it to the first timeline for the four championships they've gotten you, be, turning you into a dynasty to, to give them a shot to keep winning this thing. Just take it as long as, as long as it goes on. Cause that's really how, you, you know, the $7 billion valuation came through. So, um, for me, Can it's I, on the front office from here on, on the two timelines point too. So I want to take it a step further. Like, the whole idea that they could just like rebuild what they had from before. Yeah. Like you can't, bro, like you had one of the was, two greatest players of all time, plus arguably the second greatest shooter and one of the greatest second round draft picks of all time. That was your young core. Like that's not the same as Jordan Poole, Wiseman. And that's no disrespect to these yeah. guys. You're talking about all time greats. These are Hall of Fame players who de- who had that you know luxury to develop, and it, they they became champions. They, you can't just plug them into a system and you know mold them in. Like they got to go through their bumps and bruises. And you know I just I feel like you're not doing either side of justice. So um, give give your main guys a chance to ride this thing out um, and build a team around that because you can you, you can still. The season is very much salvageable. Like you're nowhere near like, oh, we got to blow it up. And because if you want to play the young guys, you're going to get games like last night where you lose them by 40. And that's what you get with a young team that's trying to develop. You see the Houston Rockets, see Detroit Pistons. They're going through these pains and they're, you know, lottery teams for it. So you can't have it both ways. And you got to pick pick one and 
you know, just keep in mind you got a, you got Steph Curry on your team and he's in his prime. So on that too, like when you talk about like the two timelines not working, I understand why they tried to take the shot for it and say like, hey. You I know, totally get it. Yeah, like we have the picks to replenish the cupboard and we can try. And you had the time. Um, they were you, your main guys were out. Like you had the yeah, you had yeah, the time. It made sense. It just didn't work. Um, so I want to take it a step further than you because I feel like the conversation it's just like oh my god, it just is so frustrating how everyone like every night we have the same conversation about the two timelines. Like mm-hmm. and in my opinion, it it failed. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. Failed. It's fine to just say it didn't work and move on like the amount of bandwidth that people have spent just over and over beating to death like oh these guys aren't ready these guys aren't good enough they haven't done enough drafting and and to the front office's credit like this is the first year we really got to see what it looked like and this is year three of of james wiseman of year two of coming so like it's not like i i get why they've held on to it for so long because this is the first year they could really see it like in how it looks but you got you're on a you're on a clock like like I said like the you, the the deadline to make a move is sooner very very much sooner than later um so you really got to decide which way you want which way is going to win you championships more like yeah so I think there's a clear cut answer that's the thing more is like what have they done so with the two timelines they went for this whole you know let's shoot for the moon again they still it did not prevent them from winning another championship. Like really exactly. the only thing that has prevented them to this point is Steph Curry getting hurt, like Clay Thompson getting hurt. Uh they were able to pick up the pieces otherwise. They haven't like besides Wiseman who just you know, we all know it was just not the right choice. All of these guys that they have drafted still have their value. They have also chosen the guy in Jordan Poole who they've said, we want him going forwards. Now, obviously, it's been a very rough season for him, but he's insanely talented. They've also managed to pick up Jonathan Kaminga, who looks like he's going to be a very good role player, if not like a starter level player by the end of his rookie scale contract. And everyone else in that team has still maintained their value. So like you can turn around and say, okay, we took Moses Moody we kept him for like a year and a half. It didn't quite work out. We dealt him for a more experienced veteran. What's so wrong with that? <laughs> like that's okay. what every smart like, business. That's would do. not a big deal. Like if you if you take pool and like you take him with what the twenty eighth pick and you turn him into the player he is now, and then you want to keep it going, like that's great process. Like you take Kaminga, you want to keep him around, that's great. And all the other guys who don't work out, you still have value out of them. So you can trade them and you can get more. Like the pe- the de- the degree to which people have said that this is a failure is so ridiculous to me. Like I do think it is a failure because they failed to get like really any sort of rotation guys. How you adjust, how do you bounce back from where you're at right now? And it's very salvageable. Yeah, but they haven't, they haven't like put themselves in a position where they can't adjust. Like that's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. Exactly. If if it was this complete failure, then they'd be stuck in like no man's land being like, ah, shit. Well, we got all these terrible contracts. We don't have any good players. All our guys are young. Like there's so many worse spots to be in and they could turn, they could turn around tomorrow and deal like three of these prospects to Chicago and like ditch some salary. And suddenly it'd be like good players back. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like it only takes one one timeline is still very much intact and very much. That's it. The two timelines is done. There's no two timeline plan. None of these guys, people need to realize everyone needs to realize the front office. I'm sure realizes it in most spots. None of these guys is going to go forward and take this team to contention once Steph Curry retires. It's going to be, it's not going to be any of these guys. There's no second timeline that once Steph is out, there's no second group coming in that they've drafted so far, at least, that is going to keep taking these guys' titles. They have, like, they have Wiggins, Looney, and they're just like, how do we have 26, 27 years old? Cool, 23 years old. Kuminga, if you keep him, 20 years old. You know, they don't need, it's crazy. And the funny thing, like they, they need to realize this far into the game that there were guys that could have drafted who could have done that, but the front office failed in that regard. They picked the wrong dude. That, that was the and that's goal. fine. And that's, that's their fault. Okay. That's their fault. And that's fine. They can still win titles now, right? And we know who those guys are. It's Halliburton. It's Wagner. It's it's 
probably still Kamingo, right? But they didn't do those guys. And this is the roster they have. They can still turn the roster they have into a roster that can compete for titles for the next two to three years, probably. And we see it. I, I have no doubt. This is the thing. It's, it's, we know Steve Kerr is not looking at this and not thinking more or less like, hey, James Wiseman is not the future, right? We know he's, he knows that. We know Bob Myers knows more about basketball than all of us, right? He knows James Wiseman is not the future. Uh, they need to make the moves that indicate what we all know to be true and that those moves are that there's no two timelines, right? The best we've kind of watched Your this, future's right? now, man. Your future's the now. Best way to build in into the future, yeah, the best way to build into the future is to demonstrate competence in the front office. Like we looking at Memphis right now, looking at New Orleans, looking at even Brooklyn, right? Boston, all these teams that kind of built up and build equity with their fans, with their teams, with their rosters, and they've built themselves into these contenders long-term. The Warriors need to keep the young guys they have aren't all of a sudden going to be contending pieces on their own. They need to grow into that, right? And if they're not going to make the moves, they're going to have zero timelines this year. Right, if they're not going to make any yeah. moves this year, it's going to be no timelines because and you and you really, not, and that's that's the one uh, inexcusable outcome of the season is if you waste a year of Steph Curry's prime when he's playing the way he has been. Um, that's the one. Just I don't care. You, know, you can lose in the playoffs. You can make if you make a run and you lose, and you went in. You know, all you have kudos to whoever beat you. But if you if you end up with like in the playing or like the outside looking in, like come on, man, like this is not. LeBron and AD uh, on the Lakers with an unhealthy year. Like this was a this was a very salvageable season. Whatever thirty some games in. Yeah, it's it's they will build. They already in a lot of ways have right, but they will build eternal equity with the fan base if they go all out for the last four years of Steph's career. Yeah, if they go all out to win titles, they will go. They this, this fan base will not look the, back. If James Wiseman in six years turns into an All Star, looks unlikely. But if it happens, hey. If they win a title this year, next year, without him on the roster, no one's going to care. Okay. 100%. Um, what we do care about, though, is our friends at Anchor. And uh, I need to take us all in 60 seconds or so to tell you about them. And we'll be back in just a moment, guys. Thanks. Welcome back, guys. Matt, thank you so much for that was wonderful message about Anchor. Shout out Anchor uh, for being the, uh, what do we got to do for this podcast? Um, respect. Um, so anyway, boys, uh, before the break, um, obviously we got into a lot of fun stuff, uh, Warriors right now, um, but let's, let's, let's look to the future a little bit. Um, obviously we've got a problem. The center, center position, um, as well as we've been playing 19 and four, um, it's, it's, it's hard to point out mistakes in 19 and 14. Uh, you're going to lose games here and there, but, uh, the Warriors have a center problem. Um, I love Kevon Looney. I know Charlie, Matt, I know you guys are big Loon dogs, but um, it's it's presenting kind of a problem and it's forcing Draymond Green to be in positions where we don't want to play him in as this early in the season. You know, obviously Draymond is a world-class defender, elite, uh, maybe one of the best, uh, definitely one of the best of all time. But you, we're seeing Draymond Green having to do way too much on the defensive end early. Not saying he's not doing it. He's doing a wonderful job. Fantastic. Shout out Draymond Green. But do you guys see the Warriors making an upgrade for a center? Do you guys want to see an upgrade? Um, obviously, Looney's been involved in the system. Um, he's been part of the championship DNA. But at some point, you know, you got to look at guys' hips that, you know, are 24, um, not 37. So, Matt, Charlie, what do you guys think, man? Center position, what's what's you guys think? I think overall it's tough when we haven't seen Wiseman back yet. Um, But I think even with where he was at, what we saw last year weren't necessarily physical concerns, skill concerns, as much as knowing where to be positioning himself, like using his body well to set hard screens, like clear space in the paint, um, just make life easier on the guys around him instead of making them have to work for him and, Looney is the complete opposite. Like he is hitting the glass super hard. He's crushing on those screens. Like his handoffs are really nice. His positioning is so well. And like you said, Gotham, he knows the system so well. And I don't think you can try to swap that out right now because assuming, you know, unless you're bringing in someone like, you know, we've seen these trades thrown around of, you know, say if like the Pacers really start to 
hit the hit the panic button. Like if Sabonis is on the block or if it's that level of player that's sort of coming to the table, then I think you have to talk about it, but it's that it should be that sort of player where Wiseman is the outgoing guy, because I don't think you can put in Wiseman who doesn't really know the system that well yet. And that's not his fault. You know, he really just had a complete loss season last year and couldn't really get his foothold. And obviously he's missed a lot of time this year and whoever is coming in, they will have that adjustment period. So I think if you're going to make a move, it should be to make an upgrade using Wiseman to get a starter. But obviously that has to be a very high level of player. And I think that's why you'd want Kavan in the fold as well, just to sort of have that established system player. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think, I think uh, hitting on the institutional knowledge that Looney has is pretty important. I mean, it just, we, we saw last year what it looks like when guys are playing with warriors and they don't, know what to do or where to be and if you're not you know in the top 90 percentile of basketball minds you tend to have a pretty hard time with that um ko sorry big dog um having a nice season in, in uh charlotte good for you my man uh but uh i i pretty much agree for the most part i think again wiseman would have to be the guy that goes out in any deal because they just don't have a lot of expendable pieces outside of him honestly um, and it kind of just be like swap, swapping a guy who doesn't play at all right now for a guy who ideally would start for you. Um, the three names that are tossed around pretty often are Christian Wood, uh, Sabonis, and uh, Turner. I think the Warriors probably uh, – I mean, Gotham, your question was kind of like, do you think the Warriors would do it? Um, my answer to that is no. I mean, I think Bob Myers would rather – it, it, it was more of like a would you, would you do it? Like that was – would you would it's you just, would you send yeah. would you send it with like a Christian Wood? It's just such a hard question to answer because you're you're asking to take on such a uh, a prominent player if you do that. Like if you're making a move at the center position, you're taking on a you're almost without a doubt taking on a guy who's gonna demand starter level minutes. And if you're doing that, if you're upgrading, you're asking for a guy to be uh, to be like your legit when I say traditional, I don't mean necessarily positionally speaking, but I mean, as far as the minutes you're playing goes, you're five. And it's almost like what the Warriors need is someone who can do that, but for 20 minutes, because when push comes to shove, I mean, I know I was saying earlier, like you don't want to tire Draymond out. I still believe that, but when push comes to shove, you want a guy who can do that for a good portion of the ball game up until it's important not to, you know, until, until you can have Draymond on there. So, um, I, I would probably do it. I'd probably, especially I like a guy like Turner, um, just defensively. And he's, he's got pretty good feet. He's albeit like pretty inconsistently a guy who in theory stretch the floor for you. That's probably the one move I would make maybe him or Wood. but I'm going to ask, I want to talk to Charlie about, uh, what he thinks about Christian Wood later. Cause I've not watched a whole lot of him. And I know Charlie's going to be a guy who's gotten down and watched some Rockets game this year. So, <laughs> um, one I'm of those two, I'm not. I wouldn't do it for Charlie. We need you, man. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if I would do it for a guy like Sabonis, just because um, Sabonis. I have watched a good amount of. The defense is not there. I don't think the Warriors are tossing away Wiseman for a guy who's not going to defend the way the Warriors need to. Uh, I think. I think Charlie also hitting on the fact that Wiseman. I mean, if the best case scenario for Wiseman this year is. He's like 70% as good as Looney is on defense. Positionally. I mean, by if he's 70% yeah. as Looney on as good as Looney on defense, that's a really damn good center because Wiseman has the best body in the NBA, probably. And the one of the just, that, that would be huge. So if he can do that, then all of a sudden this question's moot, does not matter. Um, if he has an idea of where to be, it's does he's you couldn't ask for as far as physically speaking, a better guy. Um but mm-hmm. I, I do, again, the concern is just Draymond's body and finding maybe a backup guy. I like, I like the idea of Thaddeus Young as kind of a small ball five option for uh, those spells and Draymond's not in there. Um, but as far as a high usage guy, I, I think I would do it. But I go back and forth, and I don't think the Warriors front office would. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, on, the, I'm on the complete opposite side, bro. I, I don't. I don't know if it's as much of a concern as we are making out to be. Um, obviously, you know, Looney, as, as, as well as he has played in stretches, um, 
you know, he's, he's not the guy. He's not I, – I love uh, Kamal Looney. I think defensively he's got the weirdest, um, like, just success that we've seen. I have a theory that Looney is – Literally, I think he's. I think he's too slow to get crossed up. That's my theory. It's he's too slow to get. I'm serious. I don't think he can get moved by really quick guards because he can't move. Because he can't them. adjust. He can't adjust. By the time they <laughs> make that second move, he's on the same fucking shit as the first <laughs> move, and he's not moving. Yes. So, like, I I totally agree. I I really don't think it's as big of an issue solely for the fact because of Draymond Green, because I think the Warriors are able to. Like, they've established an identity as a defense. And I think whatever center we're trying to come in and, like, bring into the fold, we'll, they're going to be added solely for defensive purposes. Um, offensively, I don't think this team has – like, there's issues, obviously. But, like, there's nothing a single player or a single position or something that like that can fix. It's, it's more of – like, offensively, the issues are more of clean up the turnovers, let Steph cook. You know, you got, you've got the pieces to work, put points on the board. Defensively, I see the same thing where instead of you just replace Steph with Draymond, and you're having and obviously 19 and four, you can't like we've won games with Draymond playing that small ball five. Um, I don't see this as much of an issue, man. I don't, I really think that Wiseman coming in, I think he brings the skill set he brings, regardless of what improvement he's made, he's going to be able to catch lobs and he's going to be able to be in a position to defend the rim. And I know we, you know, we've seen we've seen stuff last year with Wiseman where, you know, he wasn't, you know, making the right cuts, making the right reads, whatever it was. But I think we forget, like last season, Wiseman had a lot more on his plate with the the roster that we had. Like we needed him to, you know, be a threat from shooting from the mid range, you know, protect the rim, um, do a lot of stuff as a rookie with no training camp or whatever. It's hard, but for him coming in now after this injury, it's literally. Can you catch a lob and can you defend the rim? Not even defend the player, it's defend the rim. And with the success the Warriors have had on the defensive end, it's a lot of, you know, their guards and their forwards getting in, creating tough situations where guys driving the rim, you've got guys there, you've got guys all around them. Um, so I think, I don't know if we need to make a uh, switch, man. I think we'll be able to survive and thrive with Looney and Draymond, um, I think JTA has done a great job playing in that like big man role um, that we've seen down the stretch. And obviously he's had up and down games, but you're going to have to expect that with role players and just adding Wiseman is just another body where you just plug him into the system and he's going to be able to come up with the plays that we need him to come up with. So I don't know if it's worth mortgaging no, so like I, Wiseman. I do. I do. Honestly, I see what you're saying. I do totally get it. And I actually, I, I lean towards this idea most of the time that if you're trading for a, a high usage five or a high minute player five, you're displacing Draymond in a way from the position he's best at. And I don't think that's what you want to do. Um, it's just a matter of, of holding up in those minutes. He's not on the floor, which is the only, again, I got, got my, I actually do totally agree with you for the most part, man. Um, it's just those minutes where Draymond's not on the floor in the playoffs defensively where I worry. And that's about it. And that's very nitpicky in the, in the playoffs. He's going to play 36 minutes a game. Um, at minimum, to be honest, at minimum. Yeah, no, you know? And so I, I totally get what you're saying. I do think on the note, you mentioned the Warriors defense on the outside. I think that's actually huge too. Cause they actually do have, at least right now, the the smarts on the perimeter to make Wiseman's life super easy. So easy. Like that's, as far and that's as, the thing that where when you're talking about, can, do we need a center to um, ang- not, not necessarily anchor this defense, but kind of be that anchor in the middle. Mm-hmm. For Wiseman, it's just yo, you're seven one, dog. Like, just play, like play freely. Do what, do what, do what comes naturally. Like as a seven foot one guy, I can't, I can't relate from experience, but I feel like it's gonna come down to like, <laughs> yo, protect the rim. Like I'm six one, bro. Like I got. It's almost like you just want him to do defensive slide from one side of the free throw line. One side of the other. You know what I mean? And that's all. Like this table stakes are so much lower for him coming into this season. At least for him, like he hasn't played in. Uh, I don't remember when he got hurt, to be honest, but like it's been a while since he's played uh, basketball, and like I'm super stoked just because he the 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 bar is so low for what he needs to do to make a very positive impact on this team that I don't know if it and like it's not I, I don't think it's worth to you know make a move for somebody like a Sabonis a Turner um, if you're able to pick up somebody off like uh, off a buyout or something like that obviously like I think the Warriors the Warriors size is something that 
is is obviously an issue like it's something but it's not an issue where it's detrimental to us it's it's really only an issue insofar as draymond's body okay. yeah, that's that's yeah. about it that's 100%. about the only i don't i don't think it's functionally a problem until there's a until he's gassed and that's again that's why i'm saying i i do agree in that like maybe it's not probably it's not worth giving up a guy who's in a vacuum if you're giving up a second pick in the draft for miles turner who is really good um He's that's also the thing with the Warriors, man. Any trade they make, they're giving up. They don't have the 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 flexibility on the roster financially to make a move without giving up a lot. Like they're not giving up if they're moving Wiseman for Turner, for example, it's either Looney going out too, which again you're giving up both your bigs, or it's Moody going out, or you're giving up another lottery pick. Yeah. It's just weird. And so I do it's get what you're saying. In my opinion. I do get what you're saying. Again, my only again, my concern will just keep going back to Draymond, Draymond being healthy. Yep. No, I, and, and that's totally fair. Um, and you know, I, I hate to you know be be that Warriors fan that brings this up multiple times, but we got a dude coming back, bro. We got we got number eleven. It's them boy Clay Thompson. Um, and I think, boys, I don't know if. I, I've tweeted this. I know you guys have tweeted this. We tweeted this on the podcast account. I don't know if we've been more excited for any sporting event. Out like finals games, obviously. Like they, we've seen, we've been through the ringer with the Warriors, the Niners, the Giants, whatever sports you want to pick. Can you like how 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 excited are you for this Clay Thompson return? Because I have never I have never known that I was going to cry more in an event then Clay Thompson comes back. Oh, absolutely. Like big time tears. I can't wait for that. But yeah, as far as just any just pure moments, just you know, all like playoff championship, like winning implications aside, like just a moment that I've been so excited for is this. And man, the fact that we're gonna get it, I mean, it's just gonna be it's gonna be a great month for that. I mean, we're gonna get Steph breaking Ray Allen, Ray Allen's record, hopefully in the next few games. And then, uh, I mean, I think he's on pace. Like, I think he's got 12 more. Um, so it'll probably be that man, 12 more threes, 12 more threes. Yeah. So I think it'll be probably like Blazers or Sixers, assuming he's on his normal five a game, but, um, man, Clay coming back, just, it's just awesome. Like those videos just get me so hyped up of him. Like he's just got this tangible energy about it just to bring back to the team. And I think that's what they really need above all else is just to have him on the court, on the bench, like, you know, in the locker room, like, you know, they always kind of say like, Oh, well, you know, he's still around, like he's doing all these things. Like, you know, when Clay's standing there and like his big ass finals, like it's not the same as having him on the court, like, you know, waiting to go in, like, even when he's going to be ramping up slowly, I think they said 18 to 20 minutes would be sort of yeah. the starting pace, but yep. you know, he'll be, he'll be out there. He'll be out there head banded up looking like yes, Jackie sir. Moon. Like he'll be hitting his threes. He'll be playing defense and you know, he'll just be clapping everyone up, like telling them what to do, you know, more, more guys to go to for advice. So man, I'm just, I'm so Probably, excited. How do you, excited. how do you see Clay fitting in the next two months or three months. I think the slow ramp up will be interesting. And I wonder how slowly they choose to bring him along. That's why I think this first stretch has been so huge because we know that the Warriors are going to be a very good team in the West now, barring injury or, you know, whatever the hell, but that's the thing about bringing him along slowly is I think they'll get to work in the challenge of, seeing how he fits into the team, like seeing how the rest of the roster fits in around him. Um, I just think, I just, I just want to see it out there first. Like, I just think so much is riding on that first game, you know, like, can he come out there and put together a game and, you know, look healthy? Like, can he, can he uh, <laughs> just be any sort of Clay Thompson that we know? Cause it's hard to get ahead of that. Um, you know, for me personally, like I like to think about all the things that they can do with them offensively and defensively, but I just want the guy out there, man, so badly. Yeah, no, 100%. And like kind of the, like the, the excitement with Clay isn't – and like Charlie, you, you said this earlier, like just now, it was with how good the Warriors are already. Like I think they are a championship contender without Clay Thompson. 
um, adding a guy like Clay Thompson, like we obviously we've seen, we've seen, we know what Clay can do. We know what he brings to the table on both sides of the basketball. Um, you know, horrible, you know, two injuries, Achilles, ACL. That's, that's a, that's a hard two to bounce back from. I don't know if we've seen, I mean, Charlie, you, you Charlie, Matt, you might know more than me. NBA history. I don't know if we've seen guys bounce back from two back to back, like severe injuries, uh, like what Clay's trying to do. But again, it, it brings me back to that same Wiseman point where the, the the stakes are so low for what Clay needs to do to add value to this team. The man can shoot. We've seen Kerr talk about it, Draymond, Steph, guys that have just seen him work out where they the thing they bring up is, yo, that jumper is still fucking fresh, man. Like he ain't he ain't missing. Like that he's had two years to you know, work on his game, recover, um, come back from whatever injuries. But that jump shot has not changed. And that is literally the only thing we need um, from a guy like Clay Thompson, where 18, 20 minutes, whatever it is, while he while he works his way back into playing shape. Um, it's not uh, it's not something where it's there's, there's not a lot asked of him. And I think having that less pressure coming into just uh, just a. Uh, that, that just the amount of pressure that's coming in for him is so minimal with the Warriors being as good as they are um, that I think Clay just is able to seamlessly fit in and just really just add on the championship potential that this team has. And I, I don't know, like you guys said, man, I'm not, I'm, we're going to be crying. I might post a live video on Twitter and shit, but you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a hard, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun one because, you know, it's, it's the possibilities are endless with what Clay Thompson brings to the table. Yeah, man, it's really, really damn exciting. Uh, it's, you guys kind of hit it. He's going to be out there. His stroke is still going to be what it is. Um, I thought that's, that's the least of everybody's concerns is Clay shooting the ball. Um, Charlie, you mentioned the ramp up as well. It's going to be slow. You know, he'll be, Essentially, a, a high a high usage bench player for a minute. Gotham's pulling out the uh, Clay Thompson number eleven right now. He's got it. He's repping it. Um, I'm wear that shit right now. Put it on, man. Uh, I, I'm really. We kind of talked about earlier how uh, the Warriors have gone really defense heavy for their closing lineups. I'm excited for the fact that Steve Kerr is the most one of the most stubborn dudes in some ways. When he likes his guys, he likes his guys. So you got to imagine he's going to close with Clay, um, even if Clay is not up to par on defense, which means, you know, that offense at the end of the game is going to get better because Clay Thompson will be on the floor. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I think, uh, Charlie, again, you hit it as well with the, with the ramp up, with how much he's playing, with seamless, but that's not even the biggest thing. It's just kind of having him back out there. He's getting such a huge boon for these guys. I kind of look at – I look at his uh, – to be honest, I hold him defensively to the standard of Damian Lee. And if like he can be what Damian Lee is on defense, which is not – he's a semi-smart defender. He's fine. He gets around. He knows where to be. He's not locking anybody down. He's not a liability. That's all I – you know what I mean? If he can do those things, then he can he's, – he's the second-best shooter in the league. Like if he can do those things and not get absolutely demolished on defense, there's such a positive value in that that – I'm just excited, man. I'm excited to see him. I hope he hits the first one he takes. You know they're feeding the ball as soon as they can. Um, probably two and a half, wait. three weeks out. So Can't wait. We're almost there. Can't it's wait. Christmas coming early. So close, oh, man. It's so close. We can taste it. Um, boys, you know, obviously 19-4, we're looking good. Top of the Western Conference. Tied for top of the Western Conference. Um, we'll give the Suns a credit. Um, but we've got, we've, got some, we've got some fun games coming up. Um, we got the Magic, Blazers, Sixers, Pacers, and Knicks as the next five. What do you guys see the Warriors' record at the end of this five-game stretch? A couple on the road, a couple at home, but with what you've seen, where where do you think? The, what do you want to see from these next five games? Yeah, I'm. I was really excited for this Magic game. It sucks that Jalen Suggs got hurt because he's he's a lot of fun to watch, even though he's been struggling a bit. But there. are they're an excellent team, like in terms of their young talent, they're not an excellent team on the court right now. Um, shout out to Mo Bamba. Who's having like that resurgence season after being like totally forgot about, um, which is pretty cool. And 
that's you know that's going to be fun. Blazers, uh, they've been tough. Sixers have their issues as well. Um, absolute circus, man. Blazers and Lakers. That's kind of weird. Like crumbling we, castles. Dude. It's absolutely awesome. We got like a back to back against like the premier circuses of the league right now. Um, so that's interesting. Oh, and then the Pacers after that. Um, so maybe the top three in a row and then the Knicks, Knicks are having their issues as well. So I think it's a good stretch for this Warriors team. Honestly, I think they're catching a lot of these teams at the right time, because I think when you look at this, you know, even with the road trip that extends even beyond that, you'd be worried about facing these teams, but they've all been struggling. I mean, especially the magic. I think we all kind of knew that, but the Sixers have just been having their issues. The Pacers having their issues. So I think it's tough to predict like an undefeated stretch just when you're spending this much time on the road against quality teams, like, you know, just playing quality team after quality team, even if they're not top tier is going to pile up. But I think four and one has to be sort of the goal. And, you know, maybe that's got to be kind of the low bar. I think is the four. It is the low bar. That's what the Warriors would say. Like if they, if they were talking about it right now, you know, like they're not the kind of team to say like, look ahead like that, but I'm sure in their head, like that's the minimum they'd want to get out of this stretch. What do you think, Gotham? I mean, look, I think four and one is table stakes. Like you guys said, it's, it's the bottom tier. I'm the optimist on this shit, man. Five and up. I don't see why I don't see us losing the game. Um, you know, I think this Spurs loss is going to wake us, wake us up where it's like, you know, you get, you get that reminder where, you know, any team can beat you on a given night and the Warriors haven't had a clunker like that. I don't, I, Really can't think all season. Um, you can talk if, about um, if it's five and zero, you think then who do you think gives them the biggest scare out of the five? Out of the five, five and zero. Let's pull this up real quick. I would. I think. I mean, I like watching. I like watching the Knicks, man. The Knicks are a fun team. Um, I think they're young. They have good players. Um, not to take anything away from the Pacers, Sixers. I think also going to be good tests. But that Knicks team is going to be the last game uh, on a five game stretch. I think we play really well. Um, against the Magic and Blazers at home. Sixers, they're they're still figuring out with Embiid back. Um, Embiid's obviously a world-class player. They have great pieces, but they're really – it's weird to say, but they're missing Ben Simmons or just somebody who can, you know, really make sure that offense is, you know, as free-flowing as it wants to be. I just I, – the Pacers might be good, man, but, like, I'm not scared. Uh, but I'm, I think I'm glad we're getting. Uh, I'm glad we're getting Danny Green twice before Clay comes back, man. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, get him out the way. I don't want to see him once more. Um, get that man away from Clay Thompson's Achilles and ACL, whatever the fuck you want to call it. But um, no, I think that next game is going to be the hardest, just being in, the, in Madison Square Garden. Um, but that being said, I I don't see the Warriors losing in this five game stretch, man. I I think the Spurs game really will wake them up. It's uh it's hard to get be down twenty on your home floor, come back you know, take a lead, do two minutes left, and then blow that again. I think the Warriors realize, you know, every team in this league is gunning for them. Like we've seen in years past, teams are going to give them their best shot. And we're going to see this team come out. And, you know, we got number 11 coming back, baby. He's coming back. It's, co- it's time, bro. It's Clay season, uh, Christmas time, Santa Claus coming early, F on the shelf, whatever you want to call it. Clay's coming back. So this team's going to be fired up this month especially. Um, I see a 5-0. and I see 5-0, and man. How about you, Matt? I say five zero as well, and I say that I say that also worrying full well the Warriors lose tomorrow somehow. I don't know why. I just get in these pessimistic moods, but I'm like, hey, this sounds awesome. They're gonna roll. They're great. And then all of a sudden, you know, Jonathan Isaac rolls around, and your your hopes and dreams are dashed. Does Jonathan Isaac even play right now? No, he's off. Like Wendell Carter is who I'm thinking of, man. Wendell Carter is drilling. He's playing well. Yeah, Wendell's well, been, about to hear his song play on the thing, but he's about to. That's right, my guy. I'm going to say 5-0. and um, As far as my biggest scare goes, I don't want to overthink it too much. It's going to be, in my my eyes, Philly or uh, Indiana. We're talking about big guys again. Uh, we got we got uh, Embiid, Sabonis, and Turner all in a few nights. Um, Indiana is just weird. They play really weird. We- really weird team, man. They, they'll beat some good teams. They'll get their asses kicked by 30 or 40 the next night. Um That'll be a fun one. You gotta imagine just the Warriors' luck this year with how San Antonio shot last night. Uh, they're gonna find some way to shoot the lights out. Turner, Turner will have the the game of his life. 
Uh, I'm going five and zero. I think it's a relatively easy stretch. Um, I think the Warriors are. There's no one there who I think is in the same same tier as them. Charlie, prediction, man. Uh, I already went in for four and one. He said four and one. He said four and one. Charlie, I think Matt, boys, we, this was a fun one, man. We we got to keep doing this. Um, I know we say this every pod, but we're we're going to be keeping up with these weekly. Um, we're all, you know, we're all just big, passionate Warriors fans that want to get our thoughts out there. Um, other than that, man, Charlie, Matt, you guys got anything last minute to shout out? Um, anything coming up this week? Charlie, I know you've been doing all those video video uh, breakdowns, which have been helpful. Yes, sir. Just coming into a game. Um, so yeah. let us know, man, what, what you guys got. Yeah. Um, check out the most recent stuff I had up. I think my last clips were on some of the stuff that happened in those Suns matchups. Um, on Twitter at Claytheist11. Uh, I also got my last article up there talking about some of the early uh, 2022 draft risers and fallers. Um, kind of getting into a couple guys there who are starting to make some early impressions, good or bad. And working on another one of those coming. Um, might dip into a little 2023 guys, you know, talk about maybe our boy scoot you know maybe maybe Ooh, my boy scoot henderson that's the whole uh, thing right there but yeah and also uh as always check out high off the glass with me and akil we've been doing a lot of good stuff uh last i saw, I saw you guys music episode man that shit was tight yeah it was fun uh yeah and got to have mark shinwar on it was a great time yeah that was like, awesome man yeah we got to talk about a lot of good stuff uh next week i think we'll have one of our other guys from the lead on will be talking <laughs> on far less serious notes, probably Brittany Renner's. <laughs> Shout out Dion Sanders for bringing her in. Uh, yeah, we'll be talking Dion. That was hilarious to see. But yeah, but yeah, take it away, fellas. I got nothing, man. I'm going to be uh, shouting out Charlie again, man. Keep watching Charlie's little, little clips. Uh, Charlie's pumping out some good pods elsewhere right now. Um, I'm hoping to get back riding pretty soon. I think, um, other than that, guys, keep keep following us on uh on the tweets on the birds, man. On the tweets on the birds, Charlie. Yep, I can't can't go out without shouting Charlie. Um, shout Claytheus eleven. Um, <laughs> I'm making a jump back into writing. Got this. Um, why Steph Curry is the next or is this era's uh, Bill Russell? Um, I was in a I was on a flight and I was reading the book of basketball by Ben Simmons. Uh, Bill Simmons, not Ben Simmons. Um, but. Um, just a lot of stuff was slowing my mind. You know, I got, I had this nice little, um, gummy worm. It was nice and it got me thinking. So, um, got that one coming out soon. Um, other than that, you know, go check out, check out Fan Allegiance. We got, uh, we got a little holiday, um, holiday discount coming for you guys. Uh, whoever wants a jersey, a little, a little thing, but I know, man, five and a week coming up or five and a week and a half. Uh, Matt, Charlie. It's been a pleasure, boys. Always a year at Games is Clay. Once again, want to shout out all you guys that have followed us, um, supported us through this entire thing. It's been fun, and uh, we have got a lot more coming. So please um, subscribe, whatever it is, on Spotify and let us know. Um, if you are trying to hop on a podcast, be a guest speaker, um, always welcome to talk dubs. Um, but Find that, us on Spaces. Spaces. <laughs> yes, spaces. sir. That's right. Other than that, man, Matt, Charlie, Gotham here signing out. Games is played. Pleasure, guys. Thank you. Have a good one. Peace. And that'll do it. The Golden State Warriors advance to their fifth consecutive Western Conference final. For the second straight year, they eliminate the Rockets here in Houston as they take this series in six games and they win game six without Kevin Durant. Just a painful way to end the season once again for Chris Paul, James Harden, and the Rockets.